Jade from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. Hey, Darren, how you doing today? Doing well, good sir, doing well. Uh, we're getting into the summer months. In the, yes. In the, the heat, in the, the warm, steamy, sweaty, sweltery months of summer. Yes. Doing all right. Yeah. Yes. You, can, you, can you tell I'm hot and I'm recording in my recording booth and it's, it's a bit stuffy in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna have heat stroke before the end of the episode. So yes, I will pass out at some point during this recording. So uh, yes. let's tune in, listeners. Find out when I lose consciousness. Yeah, this will this will be fun. This will be suspenseful. And uh, if you're hearing a little background noise, that's because we have a guest with us joining us remotely. Darren, why don't you introduce the people to our fine guest? Oh, our fine guest, ladies and gentlemen. He's a he's a good friend of mine. Is a a hilarious comedian here on the East Coast, here in uh, New York, New Jersey, area, as they say. And one of the, I don't no one says that. I, you know, I just figured I'm going to try to start it. And, you are uh, killing us. Aren't I, though? Oh, my. I told you it's hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that off the rip. And uh, I'll say, I've told you, I told him this to his face. Like, he's like one of the most hardest working comedians I know. He's constantly doing shows like, like, Day after day after day, he makes me look like a like a slouch, and he, he's hilarious. You hear his laughter is just infectious, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only Mr. Calvin Cato. Yeah, thank you so much. Also, I I mean I I work hard. I feel like I don't know how hard I actually work, but you know what? I'll take the compliment. Yes, I do work hard. I get out there day yeah. in day out. I I pedal the jokes. I push the grout. I do all of that. Right, That's we work cool. hard for the money. So hard Calvin, for it. Are you are you a full time uh, stand up comic, or do you do you still have a day job? Do you is comedy your side hustle, or? Well, I mean, I guess technically, since I do not have a day job, yes, I do this full time. Yeah, um, there you go. So yeah, it's it's been full time. It well, it's been full time actually since COVID because yeah, COVID happened. I did have a job, and I mean unsurprisingly like a lot of other people lost that job but i was always doing comedy on the side and then zoom shows ended up paying pretty well and then between that and like you know the unemployment boost and then i was just getting more and more stuff so now things are good but with that being said i will be looking for a job in september so uh let's Mm. just keep that circulating if you're looking for a book editor uh i can do that or a podcast editor i can do that too or a host of things i can host things Okay. All right. Well, we'll, maybe we'll include your LinkedIn in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Listeners, hit hit up our boy. (laughs) Direct download of my resume. Yeah. You know, put up his uh, career builder uh, link. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And uh, well, Calvin is joining us because we're at the tail end of Pride Month, and we decided to do, because it's Pride Month, we decided to do a recent movie that dropped, uh, Fire Island, which just came out at the beginning of June, and it co-stars SNL's own Bowen Yang. Yeah, Yeah, Fire Island, directed by Andrew Ahn, and written and starring uh, Joel Kim Booster, who's a a comic, I I believe he's like a New York comic, Uh, I think I remember seeing him around here and there, but like Lately, he's been really, like, you know, kind of blowing up. Like, he's had a Comedy Central special. He was on that uh, NBC show, Sunnyside, with Cal Penn not too long ago. 
and he's which I watched. How was that show? Was it all right? It was interesting. I watched it. I really, I liked it, and I saw the potential for where it was. I didn't think it was quite there yet, but I thought that Cal Penn is, I mean, uh, Cal Penn obviously is a very good comedic actor, but he assembled such a great crew. I mean, Joe Composter is really funny. Poppy Lou is really great. Um, shoot, I'm forgetting the guy's name. Um, he's like another comic who's from LA, although he does stuff in New York. I think his name is Moses something. I forget. You can edit that in post, but uh, hopefully. <laughs> edit. <laughs> Moses, insert name here. <laughs> but I thought that like the ensemble was really great. I just think the show didn't quite connect as well as it wanted to, but I I enjoyed it. And I remember Joel Booster because he, um, yeah, he, I think he started in Chicago, but then he was in New York for a number of years. So I did some shows with him here and there um, before he moved out to LA and now is all, you know, Hollywood. Um, right. But yeah, he's really yeah. funny. He wrote for Billy on the Street. He's great. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. Nice. Sweet. Oh, and uh, so the comedian you think about, uh, Moses Storm, which is yes, quite a Yes, there we go. <laughs> yes, I know, right? I'm like, oh, excuse me. How dare he? <laughs> yeah. Like, I I mean, I just remember him because he does have a, uh, like, an HBO Max comedy special out that I think, like, Conan put out, on, like, on his label or something like that. So, uh, Moses Storm that. does, or, or Joel Kim Booster does? Uh, Moses Storm does. Uh, Joel Kim Booster, oh, I think okay. he does. I believe, but I believe uh, Joel Kim Booster is coming out with his own special very, very soon. If it's not out already, I think. It, oh yeah, no, it is out because I just watched it. It's on Netflix. Psychosexual. It's very funny. Okay, cool. all right, there you go. All right, Boom. all right. So folks can check that out. Um, and now, Calvin, a thing we like to ask. Uh, folks when they guest star on the podcast for the very first time what's your snl origin story are you a fan of saturday night live and if so like what era did you start watching what what turned you on to snl um so i do i do like snl a lot i am definitely a big fan i wouldn't say a super fan uh mainly because like there were some years here and there that i like ended up skipping out on because partly college and partly i was too poor to have a television but um i mainly started when I was like around, I'm trying to think exactly what age, but I remembered it was like one of the first times my parents actually let me stay up late with them and we watched mm-hmm. SNL. And I watched from like the, I always, so I date my SNLs to based on the weekend update years. So I caught the Kevin Nealon years. So I remember watching, I like to tell Kevin Nealon a lot as a weekend update host. I remember the famous, you know, Madonna ripping up the Pope picture. I remember seeing that live as that happened yeah, that was actually Sinead O'Connor Got oh it. my god <laughs> Got <to correct> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right because Madonna yeah. then said fight the real enemy and then ripped up Andrew Dice Clay which I also saw live <laughs> wow oh yeah I again I I mix up the wording but I was a big fan and I always really liked the spontaneity of it and I it's really cool um I sadly did not see too much of this past season because I was just too busy working with shows and stuff but um, I, you know, I'm familiar with like some of the writers. I know Vanessa Jackson and Alex English are writing on it and stuff. And I've caught some All stuff right. here and there, but I, I feel so behind, which is sad. Oh, how right. dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You should have done no, your homework. You should have watched all yeah. the episodes before you got on this podcast. Honestly, this last season, it, it was a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, it, it's like any season of SNL. So there's some great episodes. There were some not so great episodes. And, and that's just what the show is. I mean, that's... Yeah. Very true. Uh, so do you have any, like, famous or favorite uh, cast members 
anybody like you know, throughout the entire history that's like, oh, that's my that's my purse, that's my go to person. Oh boy. Um. So I, it for me it's so hard because I there's so many I liked and it and I am the more the older I get and the more I like look at SNL, the more I realize I'm like. There are people who I think are extremely talented. So, for example, I mean, I loved Amy Poehler. I love Maya Rudolph. Absolutely love Kate McKinnon. I think she's amazing. I feel like Tim Meadows never really got his full due after SNL, but he's a really good, talented, comedic actor, and he has really great timing. And yeah. I, it, yeah. it frustrates me that I feel like they never found a proper vehicle for him. But I also like the weird ones. Like, I loved Ellen Cleghorn. I, I feel like I got, huh. went to bat for her. I watched her sitcom. I really loved her. Like, I for me, I was always, they were like the big hits who I like. Rachel Dratch, Will Ferrell. But, like, again, Rachel Dratch is a similar situation where I'm like, I feel like there are always people who I really loved where I'm like, what happened? Why did they get, like, their own spinoff thing? Like, Sherry O'Terry, love her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I could go on, on a, go on and on, but like I tended to like more of the women performance. I found them to be more versatile. And currently, I love Bo and Yang and Ego Wodum. I think that they're really hilarious. Yeah, they're they're both great, and I I enjoyed seeing um, Bo and Yang play. He had he had like some straight dramatic moments in this movie that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, and that was really cool to see to see him be a little more versatile than he can even be on SNL. So, Yes, totally yeah. agree. And it's so funny because I'm so used to seeing Bowen in like, again, SNL or like in comedic roles. Like, uh, I don't know if you watch this movie, Isn't It Romantic? It was like a Rebel Wilson vehicle. Haven't um, seen it. Oh, I, I know of it, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I will. I actually would recommend it. It's really funny because it's basically, um, it's, it stars Rebel Wilson. And uh, I'm trying to remember, one of the Hemsworths, um, I always get the confused. <laughs> I think it's Liam, um, because it's not the Thor one. I don't. It's think. not Chris. But, yeah, it's it's not Thor. Um, it's <laughs> my friend always says it's like Chris is like the best Hemsworth, and then Liam is lesser Hemsworth, and then Luke is the least Hemsworth, which I think is rude. But I think I that's the scale. Yes, <laughs> they're like a handsomer Baldwin brothers. Right. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah. isn't it romantic? It's it's really good. So basically, um, it stars Rebel Wilson, and basically she uh, is like it's a romantic comedy parody, but it's so spot on, and it's when it, it hits all the romantic tropes where it's like Rebel Wilson is like a frumpy assistant lady, and then she gets hit on the head, and then wakes up in a rom com world where she's oh, like, oh yeah, I think I saw the trailer for that. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I feel like the trailer didn't do it justice. And for me, I don't re- normally even like rom-coms like that, but mm-hmm. I love spoofs and the spoofs like nail it. Like there's a perfect pretty woman spoof. There's a perfect like spoof of like, and I remember reading about this after the director watched, I think it was like 30 or 40 rom-com movies to get every spoof right mm-hmm. in the movie. It's really good. And Bo and Yang, like he is like a relatively small part, but he like, plays this like uh it's like this gay drug dealer's boyfriend it's really good i liked it all right all right well i mean it stars an snl cast member uh or alum so maybe we could cover it sometime um but uh in the meantime we're we're doing we're doing fire island should we dive into fire island for this week yeah yeah let's do it hell yeah okay well i mean I think the first thing you, you have to know about this movie is it it more or less has the same plot as Pride and Prejudice. 
Yeah, like I, I mean, I watched this movie with my wife, and she kept say, like she kept saying, "Oh, that's from Pride and Prejudice." Oh, that's from Pride and Prejudice. Wait, <laughs> is this whole thing just Pride and Prejudice? And like I've never, I've never seen Pride and Prejudice, so I didn't catch all the little nuances and nods they were giving to the movie. But yeah, like if um, if yeah, my my wife saw it, she was like, "Oh, that's that's totally Pride and Prejudice." Like I mean, but they also mentioned it in the movie too, like when the um, the lead character Noah, played by Joel Kim Booster, is reading Jane Austen, and he, you know, right off the yeah. right off the bat, you find out he's a huge uh, Jane Austen fan. It took me a while. It wasn't actually until almost towards the end where I was like, this feels very gothic. And then like, uh, and then I was like, I feel like this is maybe Pride and prejudice And then it was, and then I looked it up afterwards. I was like, oh yes, this is a totally Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. like framework basically that they're working in. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'm pretty sure I've never read Pride and Prejudice, the novel at least not all the way through. I might have been assigned it at one point in school, but I don't think I I finished the entire thing. So I only sort of vaguely know. I know that uh, there's a there's a dude named Mister Darcy, and and he's emotionally <laughs> distant, but he turns out to be the good person. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all you need. Like, I mean, I remember yeah. reading it, but I, the reason why I didn't twig on it was because. I it was a similar thing. Like I read it in junior high school or something. Like yeah. it was like a long time ago. Where and Pride and Prejudice like was one of the ones that never stuck with me. So that's why I was like, I, I it took me a while to like get all the allegories. Yeah, yeah, right. But although I think like even if you haven't read or seen Pride and Prejudice, you could you could still get and understand the uh, the movie. It still makes sense. I think. Yeah, I know. It's very I... rom commy. In general. Yes. So it hits all those tropes of like, you know, we have to make a grand romantic gesture and like, you know, mm-hmm. there's the haves and the have nots and all that other, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It seemed like a cool updating of a lot of those tropes. And it was it was interesting that early in the movie they have Joel Kim Booster's uh, he, he he drops his phone in a, a swimming pool so that he's without his phone for most of the movie. And mm. and that way we get a, a great scene where will who is this movie's equivalent of mr darcy he writes noah a long letter which of course you wouldn't have if noah still had access to his phone you know it would be like a long text (laughs) message maybe or something like that which doesn't have the same impact yeah i think they even mentioned that in the movie it's like who writes letters anymore he wrote a letter what's that what's that (laughs) that's actually what i appreciated a lot about the movie was like you would see things happen. I'm like, this is like out of an old school thing, but then they would imme- like explain it where I was like, okay, I, I, you're at mm-hmm. least like staying within the conceit of the movie and not being like, uh, yeah, now we're writing a letter because Pride and Prejudice. It was like, oh, he dropped his phone and his phone has been sitting in rice for like the entire weekend, basically. Right, right. So I like that they at least tried to justify that stuff a little bit instead of just doing it for no reason. I thought that was pretty clever. Um, yeah, yeah, but the, the movie um, mainly focuses on Joel Kim Booster's character of Noah, who's this movie's version of Elizabeth Bennet from Pride and Prejudice, and he's he's getting together with a group of his friends, and they're going out to Fire Island, which, if you don't know, I mean, that's it's basically like a big gay retreat, and do I have that right? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's like. Uh, you can go if you're straight. You're, you're allowed to yeah. go. Don't worry. We don't block you at the door. Oh, but, that's um, good. They don't, they don't screen us. <laughs> yeah. 
They, they don't card us? That's good. <laughs> you can leave your rainbow cards wherever you want. It's fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, so basically what Fire Island is, is um, so it's, it's a barrier island. And basically it's where a lot of uh, queer people flock to. And it gets really big during the summers. And so people rent houses out there. And then there's Cherry Grove, which is kind of more for like, the older relaxed queer set and then there's a pines which is there for the gays who want to like do a lot of partying and sex and drinking and drugs etc etc but the whole point is it's a very big gay mecca that was started in um i forget when it was like the mid 1900s basically um and it's really cool you can rent an apartment or you can rent a house out there although it's crazy expensive or you can take Mm. a day trip so you can just take a ferry out there and a ferry back um, but yeah, it's supposed to be this big gay old time. So, so it's yeah. kind of like a, a Martha's Vineyard type of place, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to dumb this down to my life yeah. experience. <laughs> I'd imagine, or I mean, I imagine or maybe some, maybe like the Hamptons. You can say it, but yeah. Is it, yes. is it like that? Sort okay. of. I, yeah. I mean, in terms of the richness. Yes, it's like the Hamptons and Martha's Vineyard, but in terms of the activity, it's kind of more like Vegas, I would say. Gotcha. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's because yeah. it's, it's a lot of debauchery. Um, Much more decadent. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it's like yeah, ancient I mean, Rome, is what you're saying. Yes. I mean, Maybe not what? that far. Maybe like uh, Vesuvius. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, I can dig it. And uh, yeah, so then we, we, we're introduced to uh, Noah's friends. He has... Um, he has a he has a one of his friends named Howie played by Bone Yang who mm-hmm. he has the who has who he has the strongest t- connection with because like right. he mentions that he met all his friends they were all working at a brunch spot in Williamsburg back in the day and they bonded over that hellish job but he he bonds with Howie a little bit more than all of his other friends you could tell they ha- and you could tell they have a stronger connection and I'll just right. say this off the top like one of the things I really loved about this movie is the scenes with. Uh, Bone Yang and Joel Kim Booster. They have some really strong, like friendship chemistry there, and like they like some of those scenes I thought were some of the best in the mm-hmm. film. Yeah. I totally uh, agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, they yeah. had a nice chemistry together, and and I like that they they had that bond that they were both uh, out gay Asian guys, but they also made a point of that doesn't mean we're the same. We don't have the same points of view we don't have the same life experiences i mean that that was cool exactly i really enjoyed that and i really also i mean in general i mean they're both good friends in real life so you can tell but like they just Mm -hmm. had like such a very easy rapport and i easily thought that the dialogue between the two of them felt the most natural to me and i really appreciated that even though they both were like, yes, we're gay and Asian, you know, Bowen is supposed to be quote unquote, like the less attractive one. And Joel Kim Booster is like the more attractive one. And like, I like that they worked those differences in terms of like their appeal to gay men on fire Island, because in general, I mean, I'm sure this is uh, not new news, but gay men can be very shallow and stereotypical. And what I appreciate also is, I know. <laughs> Stop the podcast. Oh. I know. <laughs> this this oh. is completely new information to us. So <laughs> men can be superficial. I mean, wow. Huh. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to learn this during Pride Month, but yeah, but, gay men huh. can suck. Right. <laughs> hey oh. But yeah, they, they describe 
early in the movie, they described Fire Island as like gay Disneyland, which I thought was a good way to to convey the idea of it um, to to folks like Darren and me who who aren't as familiar. Um, so. <laughs> And yeah, so so they they gather together. They go out in this big group every year. They stay with their friend uh, Aaron, who's played by uh, Margaret Cho, who was fucking amazing. I mean, in general, I mean, I'm Margaret Cho. I feel like was one of my comedic awakenings. Like I remember watching her old old specials when I was a kid. But like, I mean, she's so funny, and like she nailed it. I personally mm-hmm. thought I loved her. Yeah, she I mean, she had a nice scene towards the end of the movie where her character kind of opened up about her inner life a bit, which I liked because it gave her a bit more depth. Um, Yeah, that was that was pretty cool, too. Um, No, she's fantastic. So, yeah. And I I believe. Oh, sorry. I I also liked. Oh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Calvin, then Darren. Okay. Um, what I was going to say is, I like that um, even though it was centered around, um, it was centered around Howie and Noah, I like that like their friend group was diverse. I think that that was something that was refreshing. And I think that a lot of gay movies tend to just focus on like cis white gay males. And I like that they had. Um, they had Luke and Keegan, uh, Luke played by Matt Bowen, who, in case you guys don't know, Matt Bowen and Bowen Yang do a podcast together, Last Culturistas, that's like wildly popular. Um, but I like that Luke was the only white one, and I like that Keegan was Latinx, and I liked that they had like a black friend as well. Like I was glad they, they had Max around, and I thought that was great that he was with black, and he was also a bigger-sized gay person. Like I liked that it, it felt mm-hmm. more realistic than like when you see a lot of other gay movies and everyone looks like basically an Abercrombie and Fitch ad model. Right. I thought that was really refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of times they'll have just like, you know, all the gay guys are super cut and just 10 million abs and (laughs) and all the abs, all the abs, all all the abs have just settled on one person. (laughs) I mean, that is true. I do like the diversity of showing, you know, like gay people aren't just this one thing, this one stereotypical type of being. Uh, it's like you said, like the Max character was like a more, a bigger, huskier uh, fellow. And um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the diversity of that. So, yeah, I agree with you, Cal. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's nice when, I mean, that's the advantage of showing uh, a diversity of, of people in one subculture like like uh, LGBTQ people. I mean, because when you have lots of different characters, you can have a diversity of types and points of view and all that. And you don't have just have like one or two characters who are representing all gay people. Cause that's a lot to lay on any character, you know? No, exactly. Really. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, all right. So actually this is one point in the movie that since you both of you guys are single. I, I gotta ask and see if this is actually a thing that people do. So, um, so in the, later on in the movie, we see the guys go out and then they make eyes with, uh, you know, this group of other guys. Uh, Charlie and uh, Will is also there too, who's our Darcy mm-hmm. character. And uh, we see that Charlie is making eyes at Howie, but how you know Howie, of course, doesn't want to approach. And then we get to this one point where the boy, where the guys, um, Howie. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Noah and his crew, they look up the person on Instagram that is making eyes at Howie. And like, so wait, so do, do straight people do this in bars now? Is this how, like, they'll, like, if you like somebody, you don't talk to them just yet. First, you look them up on Instagram and then maybe, is that, is that like a new thing or am I just like old and out of touch? <laughs> so I, well, I can speak for myself. I mean, I'm actually not single anymore. Um, oh, but... all right. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's a whole thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> we have to talk about <laughs> But I mean, but even still, like, uh, I, that is definitely a thing. Like, I feel like a lot of people do that. And I know that I, I will do that from context clues. Like, I mean, for like when I was using like apps, like not, you know, the sex apps, but like, okay, Cupid and stuff, like you still, if you chat with someone, you try to be like, oh, what's your name? Uh, Darren. And then like, I would definitely, I've done that whole thing where like, if I'm chatting or whatever, I'll be like, oh, what do you do? And if they're like, oh, I'm a teacher. And I'm like, oh, I'm so curious about where. And then you immediately Google like Darren teaches at New Brunswick High School. And then you kind of get all the information. Because <laughs> you need to like, it's so much easier now. And you need to get that base because you don't want to be like, oh, and you have an arrest record or like you were kicked out of oh. that school for, you know, dealing ecstasy or whatever. That's why I don't I put my arrest really record dumb. online. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. A different world out there. I don't, John, maybe you can speak to it differently, but I know I Google stock for sure. Um, I mean, that is not really a thing that I do, but I mean, Darren, you know, I have I have an Instagram account, but I've literally not posted anything on it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet somehow I have like 300 followers. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it just seems so absurd to me because like I have Facebook, I have Twitter. That's, that's honestly enough for me. Um, I, I think I just started Instagram to like follow a few people and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with just like occasionally commenting on somebody's thing. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I've never looked at somebody up on Instagram or Facebook or something while I've been at the bar. I've, I once like met someone on a plane and I started following her on Facebook after that. Like we followed each other so we could stay in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about as far as I've gone there. So, Got it. Okay. but I mean, I, I'm out of the loop. I'm not like a big bar person anymore. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah I've just been out of the dating game for, for the longest time. So when I saw that scene, I was like, Oh, is this how it goes now? They look they, they, you know, do some recon on you first before they ask you for the digits. I think <laughs> online recon. I think that is a thing. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. It this is. is I mean, learn. I would say. I mean, I feel like I'm probably like, like. I mean, I was in the game for a while, and I, I would do that, but I would also do that because. And I know, and I actually found that to be really realistic because I know a lot of other people who do that, mainly because you want to make sure that this person is actually single. Because a lot of times mm, you'll right. meet people and they'll be like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm a doctor and whatever, but you can never come back to my place. And then you find out <laughs> that that's because that's where their wife lives. And then you're like, oh shit, this is bad. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. It is, it can be a lot tougher to keep things secret in the uh in the online age. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's good to know. Look, look at, look at me learning. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, now you know a little about being single in 2022, which I'm sure will come <laughs> really handy for you, Darren. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be great. I can't wait. Let's hope uh, you yeah. never have to apply that information, though. <laughs> Seriously, no, you don't exactly. want it. Exactly, it's heinous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Yeah, I'm never going back. No way. Yeah, yeah. Like, good call. No. Good call. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, and so so Noah and Howie's friend group they they aren't like the real the they aren't like the in crowd there on fire island i mean we got we got bowen yang he's he's wearing his meatballs shorts you know last <laughs> week when we covered the movie meatballs he's 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 wearing the the early 80s style short shorts which just kind of jumped out to me because we talked about meatballs last week and you know 1979 <laughs> it's a golden age of short shorts yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah well i mean at the beginning of the movie they you know noah who does narration throughout the film kind of establishes that like they're all broke no one has any money. Uh, like they're, you right. know, they're at that they're at that level of poverty where odds are they'll never own property. And even uh, yes. so when they go crash at their friend Erin's um, house, even she's like she has a house out in Fire Island, but you know she establishes that like she's may have to sell it because she's uh, super bad with money. You know, she was one of the earlier earliest investors in Quibi. Which I laughed at really hard. Uh, right. <laughs> I feel like that's such a perfect. I, I, uh, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like I don't know if everyone would get that, but that was such a perfect comedian in joke. Or like, if yeah. you're comedy adjacent, you're like, "Yep, I get it." I got uh, well, it. I, well, it's also it relates to the backstory of this movie because it says on the Fire Island's Wikipedia page, it says. Streaming television network Quibi announced development of a comedy series called uh, titled Trip in September 2019, starring, created, and written by Joel Kim Booster. Uh, and it was given oh. a series order. Bowen Yang was cast in a lead role in April 2020. Um, and, and then Quibi was shut down on December 1st, 2020, and then the, the project was jeopardized. So it basically morphed into this feature film called Fire Island. So that was like a... That was an in-joke on a couple levels. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I didn't know that, that this was the beginning of that. I remember that Joel Kim Booster um, had developed a thing for Quibi that got canceled. Because mm-hmm. I remember at the same time, like, I knew a lot of comedians had developed stuff um, right. that was like, going to be on Quibi and it got canceled. They were bringing back uh, Reno 911 on Quibi. And I yep. think I think those new episodes have landed somewhere else now. I'm forgetting which streaming service because who can keep track of them all. But yeah. Maybe Roku. I think it was Roku. Maybe Roku. I think sure. so, because I remember them dropping. I can't remember where. I feel like it was something random like Voodoo or Crackle or one of those. Like, yeah. It's one of the ones I don't have. I know that much. <laughs> yeah. It really sounds like we're making up half these names. I know. <laughs> it really Voodoo. does. I mean, it's like you know, uh, Mark Marin had a great bit about how somebody's like, oh, you haven't seen this show? And he he not only hasn't heard the show, he hasn't heard of the service that it's on because <laughs> media is just so fractured now because there's so many different streaming services because everybody wanted to get in on the Netflix action. So, Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's rough. It's like asteroids. Uh, you just shoot one and just split it off into five more. And you're like, what the fuck? I guess there's billboard <laughs> and white snake. I don't know what the fuck they are anymore. White exactly. snake? Exactly. <laughs> here i go again (laughs) um there there was also an interesting moment early on when they're 
they're uh, getting to know other groups on the island. And Bowen's character of Howie, he starts teasing uh, the guy that he's into about an SNL sketch he's never seen called Gays in Space. And it's just like, <laughs> that's a weird kind of meta gag. Because in real life, of course, Bowen Yang is on SNL, has been on SNL for a couple of years now. And uh, as far as I know, they've never done a sketch called Gays in Space. Uh, well, let me stop you right there, John. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Oh, I think I remember the sketch you're going to bring up now. Yes. Yes, he he's talking about a sketch that they, SNL did do back in 2005. Um, if you look, if you go back and check out the uh, Jason Bateman hosted episode, there is a sketch oh. called Gays in Space where it's set up to be like. Um, it's basically like a sci-fi show for the uh, for the uh, for the trio network, where it's basically like Star Trek, but everybody is uh, stereotypically flamboyant gay men. And uh, wow, yeah. I don't even remember this. I was wondering actually because I it, the way it was sounding, I was like, this must be a real sketch because I can't feel like they would make it up. But I had no idea about that. Yeah, you yeah, know, like, actually. I just remembered, like when Peter uh, Sarsgaard hosted, I think he did some sort of Star Trek parody, and I think he might have been playing a gay guy in that. But it's it just, might be it. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm looking up his episode now to see if I can find this. I I got confused with this other sketch. I think it was a Beck Beck. It was like the Beck Bennett era. I don't know why it was just him. There's a lot of other people there, but they were. It was like he was playing like a gay robot, but the robot wasn't. To, like the robot just happened to be gay and that he was confusing it with that, but I didn't realize it was an actual gaze in space. Oh yeah. No, that's sketch you're talking about. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, um, if I don't think the sketch is on YouTube, but if you go on the NBC site and look in the uh, SNL section and in the archives, you can find it. It's um, okay. it's like Jason. Yes. Yeah, like Jason Bateman hosted like Fred Armisen's in the sketch, Keenan Thompson. Cause he, of course he, is on the, on the show forever. And, right. uh, I, th yeah. I think Keenan Thompson is in like 1975 reruns at this point. They're inserting <laughs> him in retroactively. Yeah, and actually, um, Entertainment Weekly interviewed Bowen about that part, and he says, I was kind of for a second side-eyeing Joel, you know, Kim Booster, as we were going into production. I was like, is it obnoxious if my character references SNL? Does that seem so <laughs> masturbatory? But Joel was like, no, we Joe was like, no, we have to keep this in. This is because this is how we talk as friends. So, yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, I mean, I if you're going to make a Quibi reference, you might as well make an SNL reference. Go whole hog. Right. No, I was, exactly. I was surprised there wasn't a, the other two reference, frankly, because Joel Kim Booster writes for that show. Oh, yeah. That's such a great yeah. show. That's a show no one like talks about. I fucking love that show. I'm sorry. I know this is a tangent, but oh, my God. Like, that's another show that I loved in a similar way to Fire Island where I'm like, when they get like gay culture right, they fucking nail it. And Fire Island, I felt to me, did the same thing where like all the gay culture references, they got so correct and it's so accurate and so timely. But others, okay. you, you guys should watch it. It's so fucking funny. I, I have watched it. I really dig it. It's a really solid, uh. funny show. It has some like good digs at, you know, the industry and show business, New York. It's like, I, I highly recommend it. If anybody wants to watch the other two, it's on HBO Max. It deserves more love. And Beck Bennett uh, does a guest starring arc on that show. Yes, yes, he does. Yes. Oh, cool. All right. So you, you um, 
So, Calvin, you you thought that they really did get uh, gay culture right for the most part in this movie? I mean, I'm it was largely written and produced by by gay people. I think I think everyone in this cast is genuinely gay, correct? Um, yes. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because the, all the five lead characters they're all gay, or they're all they mm-hmm. all identify as queer. Excuse me. Um, right. Margaret Cho obviously identifies as queer. Um, mm-hmm. The love interest Charlie identifies as queer, and actually because I was being a good person, did my research. I was like, I know, I know him from somewhere. He's from, um, there's a show on Netflix called you. And if you've ever yes. heard of it, I, I have um, heard of it. Yeah. Very good show. And if anyone doesn't know, it's, it's this, it's told from the point of view of Penn Badgley. And he's this white guy who's a stalker basically. And every season he stalks a new woman. Um, and so he, um, so the guy who plays Charlie um, he was in the second season. He plays like um, he's the brother of one of the guys who Penn Badgley, or sorry, brother of one of the ladies who Penn Badgley stalks. And it's so weird because his name on that show is Forty, and he's aggressively straight. So I had no idea that he was gay in real life and that he could play gay very well. I mean, obviously he's gay, but I was like, wow. Yeah you were like aggressively straight ended asshole on that show. But like, look at you here in this movie. Amazing. So he's gay. Will is gay. He's Conrad Ricamora, who I know from how to get away with murder. He was like a main uh, cast member on that. Um, But yeah, I feel like all the principal characters were gay. Yeah. I know. I recognize that one uh, friend from Noah's uh, group, uh, Luke uh, played by Matt Rogers. I recognize him from another show you talked about. Uh, earlier, um, I love, I love that for you. The new Vanessa Bayer show. Ah, oh, so good, so good. Yeah, good. yeah. I saw he was on that. I was like, oh, that's that guy. All right, yeah, neat. Mm-hmm. He's great. And then Tomas Matos, I think it was on Legendary. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check. Okay. Which is like yeah. this HBO like competitive uh, ball competition series, a like drag ball series. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, pretty much the all the entire cast is, um, you know, all queer or, or gay men, and you know, Margaret mm-hmm. Cho is the only uh, a woman on the on the in, the in this movie. Which I I remember some there was like a, this movie caught a little heat from a writer who I guess maybe trying to go viral saying how this movie fares the Bechdel test. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a silly metric to apply to, to this movie, isn't it? I agree. Yes. I agree. Yeah. That's really dumb. And also on top of that, I mean, even by Bechdel test standards, she, I feel like she wasn't always talking about men. In fact, she was spending a lot of time either talking about women or worrying about these, these queer guys as her children, which I don't. Because I thought the whole point of the Bechtel test is that it's always a woman in a scene and she's constantly talking about a man in terms of like having a boyfriend, wanting a boyfriend, wanting a husband. And I feel like that was not her role or what she was doing here. Right. No, not at all. Right. Yeah. 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 She wasn't just there to react to the main uh, cast members' um, situations. Um, yeah, I looked up a little information about that. Um, there was... Let's see, what is this name's uh, this person's name? Well, anyway, th- this person tweeted, uh, Fire Island movie gets an F- minus on the Bechdel tw- test in a whole new way. Um, did we just ignore the drab lesbian stereotypes because cute gay Asian boys? Is this revenge for all those years of the gay boy best friend? 
and uh, there was a lot of backlash. <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, it seems like, you know, no matter how many step forwards you can take, there, there are always going to be someone that, where it's like, well, you should have done more. And um, yeah, there's and always somebody. Nelson you know. Bechtel actually got in on the controversy. <laughs> oh, and, really? Yeah. And she said, um, okay, I just added a corollary to the Bechtel test. Two men talking to each other about the female protagonist of an Alice Munro story in a screenplay structured on a Jane Austen novel equals pass. <laughs> yes. Hashtag Fire Island, hashtag Bechtel test. So, yes. and, I mean, the, and the, yeah. Yeah. And the, the writer that tweeted that out uh, deleted that tweet and offered a lengthy apology. Right. Good. And then the official Twitter account of Fire Island just replied, we passed! With like five exclamation points. <laughs> of so, course they did. <laughs> I mean, because honestly, the Bechtel test, and if, if you don't know what the Bechtel test is, uh, I think it's fairly well known by this point, but in case you haven't heard of it before, it's the, t- the test is, and this originated in her comic strip, uh, Dykes to Watch Out For, which is um, there are there is more than one woman in a movie. They talk to the two women talk to each other and it is not about a man, which it's kind of like just a test to see if the women parts are decently developed. And it was a joke, but there was there was truth to it, and I think some people take it way too seriously. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. but it is a it is a good rule of thumb to to see, like because so often, yeah, you just have the female part just reacting to whatever the man is going through, and that can get tiresome. It's true, and in fact, like I mean. I, I was always respectful of the Bechdel test because I mean I so the the guy I'm seeing right now we watch like a mix of movies but he's very into like older classic cinema and mm-hmm. it's interesting for me to watch because like I I've watched you know I am not like a big movie nerd by any means in that way and so it's cool on the one hand to see like I'd never seen Casablanca before uh, we watch it together and there are certain other movies that like he was like oh this is such a classic and I watch it. And it's interesting to watch where you see some of the movies are classics. I'm like, okay, I see why because of the cinematography or for Mm -hmm. its time is pushing boundaries. But for me, it's always hard to watch because it's like a lot of the women really don't have agency and they really are only talking about men. And suffice to say, let's not even talk about the minority characters, which are either non-existent or they're always Mm. playing maids or servants or things like that. Right. Or they're very stereotypical in one way or another. Exactly. Like, I mean, you know, you see the Charlie Chan or the Mammy, like all those kinds of like pronounced stereotypes. And I think it is very important to see, to look at the Bechdel test and also look at these movies that we put in the canon in context as, yes, like there's still a lot of issues with this. And Mm -hmm. frankly, with Fire Island, I actually did have certain things that happened during this movie where I was like, that's pretty problematic. But the Bechdel test was not my problem there. Um, Well, I... I think, you know, there, there's one like super problematic thing in the movie, but I think the movie knows that it's it's problematic. I mean, every pretty much every other character to a man says like, oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> oh, OK. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah the, and the movie I, knows exactly how wrong it is. And they they give that character a bit of a comeuppance, I guess. They do. I mean, I don't know. For me, I we can also wait for that. But I honestly, I, so I watched this with uh, with my boyfriend, and I mean, he when that scene happened, 
he was a little horrified, but I was definitely like, that is not okay. And the comeuppance was not good enough. Like I had a lot of issues with that scene and I wish that they had either taken that out completely or done something different. Cause I was, after that, I was kind of like, it actually lessened my enjoyment of the movie, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, well, I mean, why, why don't we get into it since we, we brought it up? I'm, I'm sure that's paralleling some event in the Pride and Prejudice novel, but I don't know the uh, the plot well enough to, to say w- with certainty. But like w- one of the guys in the group, uh, I think it's, was it Matt Rogers' character? Yeah, yes, Matt Rogers, yeah. Luke, yeah. And there was yeah. actually a funny, yeah, because like, there's actually a funny line I like, because uh, the night before they all went out and partied and, did drugs and the next morning they couldn't find Luke and uh, Keegan, who is like always with Luke, um, you know, side by side. They're like a like a duo. He was getting worried. He's like, "Oh my god, I can't find if anything happens to him. I don't know what I'm gonna do." I mean, I mean, we were gonna start a podcast. <laughs> I laughed out loud. That made me laugh. <laughs> I laughed out loud at the podcaster. I appreciated that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you have a podcast, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. SNL nerds, you should listen to it. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Rate and review. Subscribe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Follow right. us on Twitter at SNL Nerd Show. All right. We'll check it out sometime. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Luke finds out sort of late in the movie, probably about three quarters of the way into the movie, that the, the guy that he hooked up with actually was recording the encounter and then he puts it up on the internet with Luke's face clearly visible and yeah. yeah, so and this is you know no permission, no consent, no nothing. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Wow, um, it's it's date rape, base. It's it's date rape. Uh, thank you. That is exactly what it is, and that's why I was like, um, this is at least date rape, definitely revenge porn, and yeah. most definitely rape, rape. And for me, so okay, this is where my problems went in. So when yeah. that, so there's a scene where they, the, they're all gonna, the gays are all gonna go out. They're gonna go to basically this underwear party, and mm-hmm. it started off being actually realistic. And like I, I mean, okay, I feel like I'm revealing too much of myself, but I've gone out with like <laughs> my gay friends where things like this have happened. So what they all do is all of the the five of them, they all basically spill out onto the table. These are all the drugs I have, and someone's like, I have mm-hmm. Molly, and someone's like, I have something that might be ketamine, it might be a whatever pill. And then someone's like, I have GHB. And here's the thing. So if for people who don't know what GHB is, that GHB is literally a date rape drug. And what people do is if you take GHB, you're supposed to take not down the whole bottle like Luke did. You're supposed to take it at certain intervals and then mix it with water so you don't end up passed out and blacked out. So I was already... Okay, that kind of went over my head. So that's... I feel like that was something that, like, I don't know. I, and again, I don't want to pre- presume anything, but it's weird that if you are a gay writer, you don't know that because that's a very well-known thing within gay circles is that you don't actually down the whole bottle because that easily leads to you being taken advantage of. And especially if you're on GHB, right. you're supposed to stay with someone. Someone's supposed to stay with you and make sure and check in with you at least every 30 minutes to an hour to make sure, hey, are you okay? Are you passing out? And especially if, if you're as close as you claim, if that's my friend and I knew my friend took G and he's like passing out, I'm immediately like the night's over because he basically is like a walking brick. Like he can't go anywhere. So he, so so he basically like downed a bottle of roofies. Yes. Gotcha. Mm. So 
Okay, my problem okay. was with that at the start. I was like, yikes. And then when they go, so there's a scene where they go to a second location and I was like, how did you lose your G friend? Because that is not something that friends do unless they're shitty friends. Like right. that is super dangerous. So I, again, this is for me, this is where it kind of is hard for me as someone who's experienced that culture to be like, this is massively unrealistic. And then oh. when that happens, when he ends up meeting with that guy, that guy films it. And especially even when like Luke describes it, I was like, oh, I woke up and he was just there and I assumed we had sex and that was okay. And I was like, that is not okay. That is definitely rape. Okay, so, okay. So that that definitely went over my head a bit because I was thinking, and, and maybe I was missing something or not paying close enough attention. It, I was thinking it was a consensual encounter and the violation was that he filmed it without his knowledge or consent and then put it up online, which obviously super fucked up. Um, but yeah. Oh, the, the drug thing. Yeah. I was just assuming, I think that all the drugs were like the equivalent of E or something. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. No. I didn't mean to make it a downer, but for me, that was like where I was like, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I understand the movie and, better now. So that's, that's cool. <laughs> and so. then to be like, Oh, you could just tell him to take it down. Okay. First of all, if anyone knows anything about porn, uh, yeah. You cannot take down porn. Like, it's yeah. on X. Well, Xtube is canceled, but the reason why Xtube was canceled was because there was a lot of date rape porn on it. So I was oh, like, shit. and then, yeah. And so everything ends up, if it's already online in one place, someone's yeah. already downloaded it and posted it onto Pornhub, onto X Hamster, onto X Video. I'm telling myself that I know all of these. You know but a like, lot of porn. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you cannot remove that porn. So essentially, right. that is rape that is now being reposted everywhere. That one yeah. guy cannot take it down. So I, I was, ugh, it was very yuck to me. And I could not. Right. I mean, because essentially, yeah, once you post something online, it is online somewhere. And someone. Yeah can find it either intentionally or accidentally. So when they go to the guy and they say, well, you've got to take this down off the site and then delete it from your phone, they kind of act like that solves the problem. And no, it doesn't really, unless like, I mean, even if you did that like 30 seconds after you posted it, it's still out there. Um, yeah. I remember, cool. I remember like years ago, there was a, uh, that actress, uh, Alison Pill, um, oh yes, she's, she's on she's on uh, Star Trek Picard now is probably what she's best known for, and she one time somehow she acts. I think she was trying to send like a uh, a sexy pic to her her boyfriend, and she accidentally tweeted it out, and then I think she immediately realized what she did and deleted it later. But that picture was out there, and <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's like yeah, when Chris Evans accidentally, like, he shares screenshots of something, and one of the, what, like, a part of the screenshot was his penis. And I feel like he took this down a minute later, but literally every single, like, site would have it up, and he would continually ask people to take it down. And as soon as he asked people to take it down, someone else was like, oh, but I still have it. Share. Right. Like, that's not how that works. So I, yeah. I, I really yeah, I mean, wanted to get past that, but for me, I, it really cast a, all over it and i understood that it was like supposed to be like yay this is triumphant moment and then like um you know noah and will can like have this nice bonding thing but yeah. it was kind of icky and then retroactively it then made me be like well will was justifiably bitchy to that guy i forgot his name the 
Oh, like, uh, Dex. Dex. Okay. Dex. But who, who, then, who's the equivalent of George Wickham from Pride and Prejudice, according to the Wikipedia entry on the film? Yes. And the thing is, like, it made me also cast aspersions on Will because I was like, dude, you have a very valid reason. If he's date raping slash revenge porning people, that's something you should tell people immediately. I would never be like, yeah, please hang out with this like rapist adjacent person. I'm not going to say anything. It, it, yeah, yeah. Will Will is kind of coy throughout most of the movie. He's like, you know, hey, Dex isn't a good guy, but I'm not going to say why, but he's behaved very badly. And yeah, that yeah, that's not the, the sort of information you should hold back immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's I, I didn't think of all that. But yeah, that makes. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a I mean, I'm point. just kind of thinking. Point. Like, because Calvin, you you've you brought up some new points, and you're making me think about it more. And you're just, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, that that is really really fucked up. I mean, the wow. the movie does know it's fucked up, but it's it, it pretends that it's a much easier problem to solve than it actually would be. So yeah, yeah and and enough. I feel bad because like I loved so much else about the movie, and because even that beating thing with the drugs being like. Here, we're going to like pass all these drugs out. I love that part. I like the underwear party scene. I was glad that they actually int- like included a backroom scene as well as an orgy scene later. Because so I was like, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they were actually being like, yeah, we're going to be full gay. We're going to fuck on this island. And I appreciate oh, they that. Do. It was like, oh, they fucking did. And I was happy oh, about oh, that. Oh, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This ain't for the kids. There's, there's, there's straight up dude on dude in this thing. It gets graphic, you guys. Goodness. Uh, <laughs> my my stars. I clutched my pearls like five times. I I was I was fanning myself. I had to get my smelling salts. Was... <laughs> Ooh. Perish the thoughts. Oh my. Oh my. Well, I was not expecting this sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> Land sakes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a scene where uh, Noah Jolkin Booster's character he takes his current crush Dex uh, to the back room, and you know they're they're getting hot and heavy, and then he as Noah is kneeling in front of Dex, doing that <laughs> thing that you do when you are kneeled in front of someone. Um, he kind of he kind of leans over and he sees like Will awkwardly standing there and. Uh, I, I really liked uh, Conrad uh, Rickamora as as Will in the movie, who's who's the Mister Darcy equivalent. I thought he he gave a really good performance. I I really liked his character just because, mm-hmm. like, he's the guy who's there, but he's he's very ill at ease with with the uh, with the culture there at Fire Island. He's just <laughs> yeah, and I li- I like the way he played it too because he's like one of those guys who's like kind of to himself and yeah, like yeah. not really part of the scene so he can come across as being very standoffish or very like i'm better than all these plebeians but like once you once the movie you know as you get into the movie more you see like oh wait he's not that he's actually something different yeah and and i could i could really identify that uh, with that because like i tend to be a, a shy introverted person so and sometimes without meaning to you can come off as very standoffish or or like an asshole. Um, 
especially if you have a sarcastic streak. So, (laughs) and I loved that scene where um, Noah takes Will to that like place. I I forget what the name of the club was, and then I got a shout Uh, out. Ice Palace, I think it was. Yes, and I got a shout out Peppermint, who is super amazing. She Peppermint is such an amazing drag queen and is incredibly very friendly, very nice. And so Peppermint is a drag queen who's hosting that dance contest, and then Will gets Mm -hmm. up and starts awkwardly dancing. I thought that was so cute. Uh, yeah 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 i will say yeah, that like, sorry? go ahead well i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say like that's another thing i liked about this film like the chemistry i mean the chemistry between uh noah and howie is good but the chemistry between noah and will is really good like the two of them <laughs> have like a really good like back and forth and, yeah like, you see those sparks between them they they did have a real chemistry and you are kind of rooting for them to get together or, or at least understand each other. And yeah, that, that worked well for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was Absolutely. really good. And mm-hmm. I feel like I, I, mean, I think because I, I, I know and understand introverts like will it really, mm-hmm. I saw their connection. I saw how a, how they connected and B also how their meetings were so awkward and there was, it was so weirdly combative and, I like the yeah. voiceover where no one's like, I'm angry, but also very horny. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very spot on. And yeah, sometimes that stuff mixes together. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I also enjoyed uh, Bo and Yang's subplot with uh, with the fellow that he was interested in. And I'm, I'm blanking on his character oh, name. Charlie. Right? Charlie. Yes. And I really liked, like, and towards the end, um, like Charlie kind of, makes a big gesture to Howie <laughs> and and he he goes too far and I think I think he says like I love you and then one of his friends just goes nope too big yes, too stupid so funny. <laughs> and right. that might have been my favorite line in the movie where his friends were just like nope nope you needed to make a big gesture that's <laughs> too big too big too stupid <laughs> dial it back <laughs> right because uh, in the movie um uh what like uh what was it uh, Howie and Charlie start to get close but they don't really do anything they don't hook up and mm-hmm. um charlie's yeah. friends uh one of them a cooper who's like uh you know this huge asshole <laughs> he he like he brings i think uh or somebody brought in charlie's ex to the island reese and then charlie and reese start reconnecting and which breaks um howie's heart and like right. Bowen does a really good mm-hmm. job of like conveying that like that heartbroken oh i thought i was gonna fall in love uh, this weekend, and I guess not. And like they also, right. like that's like I said, that tweet, that scene between Bowen and um, and Joel Kim, I thought was fantastic. Where, but where Bowen's like, yeah, I want to fall in love. Like I'm, you know, I've I'm 30 years old and I've never had a boyfriend, and it fuck it, it saddens me. And like I really, I don't know, I really I got yeah. emotional at that scene. Like he he was really Bowen's really was giving it his all in that in that scene. I mean, he honestly, it was really really good acting, and I think. As someone, like, I definitely could identify with Bowen in that way as well. Like, I mean, well, I mean, I did have, I had, I've had a boyfriend in the past, but I mean, I remember I felt like it was pretty late for me the first time I even, like, was with a guy like that. And I really enjoyed the contrast between um, Bowen and Joel, or rather between um, Noah and Howie, where, Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it was such a good snapshot of these two different kinds of gay lifestyles because i mean obviously like i have friends who are you know non-monogamous and are 
all about that. But there are gay men who do are monogamous and do want romance. And I really felt like both the lines were really well written, but also Bowen really sold the hell out of it and made yeah a really good case for like there are gay men who want to be monogamous and that does not mean that they're trying to fit into heterosexual society. It's just that it's like, no, I want one person who I want to come home to and like hang out with and share my life with. And I think that that's something I feel like a lot of in the queer community more recently, I feel like there's this big, there's been this such a big push towards like, let's be non-monogamous and let's be monogamous. And if you want to be monogamous, you're just feeding into straight stereotypes. And it's like, no, like sometimes monogamy is for certain people certain people just want and need that and just because we're queer and we can choose our kinds of relationships doesn't mean that it's bad to choose something that is seen as quote-unquote traditional so i really mm-hmm. appreciated that yeah I, I like that the movie acknowledges that not everybody is wired up the same way yeah like some people they they do want a, a boyfriend or you know a, a girlfriend if, if if that's where you're going and and yeah, and some people are just about hooking up and one isn't really worse than the other. It's just whatever works for you. And and as long as both people are on the same page, yeah, great. But I mean, it, it's also just such a journey and, it, and it's, it's kind of heartbreaking. Like the, yeah, I'm 30 and I've never had a serious boyfriend because, I, you know, coming out has got to be just such a journey in itself. And then... And not everybody does that on the same timeline. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so that adds just this whole other level of difficulty to it, I would imagine. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, we're all just looking for love on this crazy planet, man. <laughs> right, boys. Right, boys. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. I didn't expect it to go that route. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and I'll I also say like the third thing I really loved about the film, like uh, Joel Kim Booster's acting is really top notch. I thought in this one, like yeah. I haven't seen him in much, uh, in much projects. Like I know his stand up a little bit. Um, I saw a little bit of Sunnyside, uh, but I, I don't know this one. He he really carries the movie. I thought like yeah, like, he like he's funny when he needs to be. He's really dramatic when he needs to be. Like you see, he can like he he probably he could be a leading man. Like if, and I, yes. yeah, I hope this film like gives him the shot to do that. I thought I thought his acting was phenomenal in this one. Yeah, he he was really good. He did a nice job carrying the film. I thought. Um, I'd say you know probably my my biggest criticism of the film is just that there are so many characters that I found it a little difficult to keep track at times, and I think that's probably just because they were adapting and modernizing Pride and Prejudice and like the, those Victorian era novels. They got a ton of characters and a ton of subplots and stuff. So, oh yeah, it's true because you have to hit the six hundred page count. So they're like, yeah, we gotta <laughs> fill the shit in. Let's gotta side thing about Miss Havisham or whatever the fuck. They uh, were getting paid by the word, yeah. you know, like a chapter, a chapter run in a month. <laughs> <laughs> but so I actually did yep. agree, and like, and this is the other thing that I found a little bit problematic about the movie is that of the five friends, I mean, obviously Noah and Howie got the most screen time, and then. Right. And then it was Luke, because Luke had the, you know, again, subplot that I found problematic. But then other than that, it was weird that the Latinx um, person, Keegan, and Max, I feel felt like they got so little screen time, relatively speaking. And yeah. with Keegan, um, the Latinx uh, 
person. Basically, I feel like Keegan basically was just operating as like Luke's twin, which I thought was a little weird. But then Max, especially as the one, because I was like, oh, like, yeah, we have like a black person. We have a person of size here. And I felt like Max never really got to do anything other than like kind of slut shame. And it felt a little weird to me because it's like, if you're a person of size, like you can also, you're allowed to fuck. Let him fuck on the island. Yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. I was a little bit, it bothered me a little bit that he, I felt, had the least to do in the movie. And I wish oh. that would not have happened. Because I, especially when it's like, hey, we have all these people of color. I would like for them to have like more equal playing time. So. Uh- you, yeah. you know, I wonder if that might have been a reflection because, I mean, it was originally planned as a series. Mm-hmm. So maybe those more minor characters in the movie were going to be much more developed in the show and get get more of their own subplots and their development. Because it's a pretty quick movie. It's only like an hour 30. Yeah. So, yeah. So some of the characters in the group aren't real developed. And yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're making a movie. You got to cut it down to the bone, I guess. So. Yeah, but I I, see, I do see what you mean, Calvin. I did notice that too. Like uh, Max was basically just like the big, uh, nerdy gay black guy who's like you know paranoid a little bit and and dorky. And uh, Keegan was the uh, you know flamboyantly gay Latinx kind of stereotype. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of wish they maybe should have uh, fleshed those characters out a little bit more. But yeah, yeah I, I agree I... with you. Yeah, I just, I mean, and again, I liked, I liked them. And I, and I feel like there are times where like, I feel like they made it count. Like, I mean, I appreciate the scene again in the underwear party where Max gets that funny thing where he's like, what's wrong with my eyes? And then Noah goes, actually, wait, there is something wrong with your eyes. <laughs> you should run to the bathroom and get that checked. Or like, I love the scene where um, Bowen and uh, Luke and Keegan sing Britney Spears, uh, that song. I always forget the name of it. Of it, but sometimes I run. I thought that was super hilarious, and I was like, "They're really good at comedic stuff." And I do agree. I think that it's hard when it's an hour and thirty minutes, and I'm also sure that because this is a movie that's releasing on Hulu as opposed to like HBO Max or Showtime, I'm mm-hmm. sure they're also like, "We need to cut down certain things because the movie can't be too explicitly gay." Because you know, I feel like that always happens in depending on where you're releasing any sort of thing. Like Hulu is slightly more family friendly and now like disney plus disney plus owns hulu so i know that that also plays a factor but okay but i kind of wish i was like i wanted them to get a little bit more time to shine and i also wanted to like yeah see them fuck like come on yeah get it max get it yes (laughs) bitch do that shit (laughs) do that shit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I will admit with you, I did. They did have like a lot of good jokes and a lot of good dialogue in this film too. There was at one point where, um, where Noah walks up to uh, Howie after they've had a big fight, and Howie, you know, hasn't talking to him in in a in a number of days. And like I think Noah says something like, "Are you still mad at me? This is the longest you've ever gone without talking at me ever since I told you call me by your name was boring." <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then Howie. Re- Howie retorts with, uh, it's a cinematic masterpiece. I'm sorry, it's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) (laughs) That I laughed out loud at. That was good. I also liked the after um, Will uh, basically intimidates uh, Dex into deleting the movie that he made of him and Luke. By saying like, well, you know, this this counts as as revenge porn, and you would have to register as a sex offender, and he, you know, and he's 
like spelling out the legal consequences for him. And then in the scene after that, they cut to Will and Noah walking on the beach together. And Will is just kind of like, well, I mean, I, I don't really do that type of law. And honestly, half of what I told him was BS. <laughs> <laughs> and Noah goes, oh, you legally blonded him. <laughs> And I like that. That was funny. Uh, yeah. And then like Will well, said, like, legally blonde. I get that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We learned that Will didn't get that reference about legally blonde. And we learned he doesn't know a lot about pop culture stuff, especially during um, right. when they when they invite him over to the house and they have like, they play party, har- party games. Uh, that Marissa oh, Tomei yeah. scene killed me. I <laughs> love my cousin Vinny. And so I was like right there. I was like, yes, I see you movie. I see you. <laughs> The prosecution and, is wrong. Right. Yeah. So, so in in this game, it's like a, you have to guess which celebrity someone is, or or the the person who's holding up. They, he's holding up somebody's phone to his forehead, so he can't see what the celebrity is, and everybody else in the room is is giving him hints, and so they're acting out Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. And Will is just not getting it at all because <laughs> presumably he's never seen that movie or doesn't yeah. remember it if he has. Yeah. And so he's he's just lost without a map. Yeah. Like, uh, like I he, laughed so hard. Also, he knew Alicia Vikander, and I was like, "Yep, I'm right there." You know that right. bitch. You don't know Marissa fucking Tomei. <laughs> Excuse me. Like, well, Come well, she on. was really good in Ex Machina. So. <laughs> <laughs> Get out, millennial! Don't even do that. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. It's, I I really liked Will. I thought I thought uh, Conrad uh, Rickamora. He he just killed that part because mm-hmm. like it's it's a tough part to play because he has to be kind of kind of dickish and standoffish at first, but you still have to like him enough that you're still rooting for him and Noah to get together. And I I thought he he walked that line beautifully, man. Yes. He yeah. really did. Ugh. It was, I mean, because he was, he was still kind of adorkable enough that you still liked him. So, exactly, and I feel like also so much of it was couched in concern. Like, sorry, we're jumping around. I'm, I know that it's a lot of jumping around, but the yeah, it's scene, fine. like sort of uh, in the beginning when they first, so when the the group, the core group of five first get to Charlie and Will's place where they're pl- saying it's like palatious, like beach house. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a scene where um, where Noah accidentally, like, overhears Will talking to Charlie about how, like, oh, be careful because people can use you. And, like, you know, they're just here to, like, drink all of our booze and stuff. And when he's even like, oh, he's not hot enough to be a threat, which is, you know, it's hurtful. But at the same time, you can tell that it really came from more from a place of concern. And I feel like Conrad really sold that. Which mm-hmm. then made me feel less of like, ugh, he, Will should never get with Noah, and more like, okay, I see where it's coming from, even if it's not okay. Right, right, absolutely, right. absolutely. Okay, uh, yes, I think we're you know kind of getting towards the end of the of the movie here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall thoughts, uh, you know, closing thoughts on this movie as a whole. Uh, Calvin, what what like overall, what did you think of this film? Um, so overall, I mean, overall, again, a problematic uh, date rape adjacency in aside, I, mm-hmm. I really like this movie. I really love the dialogue. I loved the chemistry between everyone I thought was really great. And I mean, just to be that guy, I appreciated that it was like mostly leads of color. The white people were the villains. 
They were cartoonishly <laughs> villainous. Uh, they got their comeuppance. And I was like, yeah, because like, honestly, sometimes fuck the white hegemony. So like, and especially white gays, girl, they need to go. So I was really into oh, that. Oh, shit. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I say that as I'm dating one. But, you know, whatever. He can, <laughs> he can privilege. But, you know, I... Wow. <laughs> this is a hell of a way for your boyfriend to find out he's been canceled. <laughs> Calvin's boyfriend's like, so I listened to that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do we need to I, talk? I got to go? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. First, Ben will be $100 so that it's reparations, <laughs> and then you can leave, and then that's fine. But but seriously, overall, overall, I, I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed both what it said about gay culture, but also what it said about race and class. And the things that I thought were not perfect, even though it wasn't perfect, I thought it was well done. And I hope that this encourages Hollywood to make another movie like this so that they can get kind of tweak those things, make it a little bit like stronger and better. And it'll be a really wonderful time, but I loved it a lot. Well, I know, I know Billy Eichner is doing or did a movie uh, called Bros. Which I am so looking forward to seeing because I feel like that's a much more graphic. Again, it's not made for Hulu. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah. And I think if I remember correctly, it was that film is like the first one where all the gay parts are played by gay actors or or was it or was it this film? Um, No, that one is all the gay parts. Are all the gay lead parts are all gay or are or sorry are all queer identified because I even okay. um, the two people who are supposed to be straight quote unquote are played by queer people because one of them is Guillermo oh, okay. Diaz who is very hot Guillermo Diaz look him up he was talking on scandal oh he's from Half Baked he's the guy who says fuck you fuck you fuck you you're cool fuck you I'm out. Oh. oh, nice. Okay, that's a great Love moment. Yeah. Yes. Oh, nice. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, John, the movie you're talking about, Bro, that comes out in September of this year, and it's the first gay romantic comedy from a major studio featuring an almost entirely LGBTQ principal cast, with the exception of Deborah Messing and Christian Chenoweth, whom um, the director calls allies of the community. And it's uh, directed by uh, Nicholas Stoller, who I believe did uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's, yeah, that's very cool. I mean, it's just so weird to think it took until 2022 for that to happen. You're like, <laughs> oh, how have we not gotten to this sooner? How's, oh, shit, that's not good. Because um, <laughs> I remember, I remember even like back in the 90s, like when they're doing the movie version of, of the play Jeffrey, even there, like the gay couple, well, I know I know Stephen Weber is straight. I don't know about the other fellow, the guy who was the lead on The Pretender. Um, oh, um, I think he's also straight. Don't, don't quote me on probably that. Probably is, I yeah. Think so. Yeah, and and Patrick Stewart was in there, and uh, Patrick Stewart is straight. Um, Sadly. So, yeah, so even <laughs> like, you know, this this big play about the gay experience, and I, and I got to see that show on stage once, um, and I, I saw the movie as well. So even in that, yeah, it's like all the gay people are played by straight people. It's mm. like, you, you couldn't toss one gay person in there, maybe? <laughs> we couldn't find a, them. There's no, there's no gay people it, in the theater. No gay actors out there. 
They're just bachelors. They're just bachelors who haven't found the right one, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting because I I think about it too, because so I was listening to like, um, it's this like YouTube series and they review movies and they were talking about the birdcage. They were doing a retro review of Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the birdcage. The birdcage, very gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nathan Lane obviously is gay. Nathan Lane, I didn't know until he listened to that, he was not out when that movie came out, which I'm like, that's crazy because it's Nathan fucking Lane. But that's how it was back then is even when you were obviously gay, you still had to be like, oh, I'm just, you know, looking for my wife and I'm playing (laughs) this like very flamboyant drag queen in the birdcage. It's crazy to me. But I remember I remember an interview with Nathan Lane. It was probably sometime in the night. It's probably not too long after the birdcage. And it was a print interview. And he just said, like, look, I'm a single man. I'm <laughs> over 40 and I work in musical theater. You do the math. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just thought that was such a great quote. It always stayed with me. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Like, I, maybe that was him, him coming out. I don't know his whole coming out story, but. Yeah, people like, oh, no, you're trying to find the right woman. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, Liberace. Yeah. Like, like Liberace, yeah, exactly. Exactly, or like Paul Lind, you know, you just kept trying, <laughs> kept looking. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, well, uh, well, Trumbull, what what were your overall thoughts about this movie? What did you think of it? Um, I I enjoyed it. Like, like Calvin said, uh, it had a lot of good lines in it. I mean, I enjoyed... Uh, I think Roger Ebert had a, had a quote. He said, "Like you know, movies are are empathy machines. It's like how you learn how to empathize with like outside your own life experiences." And this, you know, of course, showed me a lot of things that are outside my life experience. So I enjoyed it in in that regard. Um, I thought it was a little tough to follow at times, just because there were so many different characters, and I was just like, "Okay, wait, which which guy is this again? Wait, which?" which ones of these hooked up with each other and yeah so i got a little confused there but i'm sure i could keep it uh more straight uh if i <laughs> watch it a second time you know uh, mm-hmm. no pun intended no pun intended all right awesome um, <laughs> hey-o. uh yeah ultimately i really like this movie i thought it was great um yeah it, it kind of gave me a view into a world that i'm not super familiar with uh you know yeah. fire island and you know, the LGBTQIA uh, party scene. But um, I, I still, I really dug it. I thought the acting was great. Joel Kim Booster really impressed me. Bowen really impressed me. Like, um, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I, all the um, points that uh, Calvin brought up about, you know, the, you know, of course, the, the date rape scene and stuff. Yeah, that, like, the more I think about it now, the more like, oh, yeah, that wasn't, you know, that could have been handled better. Like, it wasn't a perfect movie, but it had a lot of good things going uh for it um yeah the the character will i thought was played well um yeah and and, and like i said uh, it, it did like get me emotional like uh, especially with bowen's character of howie about how he was you know longing for a relationship and companionship and you know i mean i think things like, like things like that like themes like yeah. that are something a lot of people can identify with even if you're not you know lgbtqia or, or whatnot so and right right i mean yeah and, yeah and, because, because, yeah, even if you don't identify with these specific experiences, you can identify with those underlying emotions, and and you you don't see that in movies very often of like somebody who's like wanting and yearning to be in a relationship, and they don't necessarily achieve that by the end of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. 
because yeah. movies are just constructed around a story and you want everybody to get a happy ending and you oh yo and you find the love of your life after this week long trip and you know yeah that's not the most realistic ending in the world <laughs> mm-hmm. very true so, but, yeah but uh yeah overall i i give this movie a big thumbs up and i you know i highly recommend uh, people check it out mm-hmm. 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 yeah well we're seeing it's uh it's streaming on hulu uh check it out fire island folks so yeah and um and I guess that's our episode, guys. Thanks again for listening mm-hmm. as always. Uh, our Calvin Cato, you have been just a dynamite guest, just a firecracker of a fella. Oh, thank you, and seriously, yeah. thank you so much. And in general, like I was already kind of planning to watch Fire Island, but I'm so glad that you asked me to because it. I mean, I ended up watching it twice, so it's it was really good, and I I do think that it's a really nice. I hate saying this. But I think it's a nice, important movie for people to watch. Not just, uh-huh. I mean, I hate that because it's like, oh, it, it has to be important. But it's nice that it gives such a good snapshot, not even to just queer culture, but like what it's like to be a queer person of color and what it, also what it's like to be kind of like on the poorer side. I think that that's something that's mm, really yeah. important. And it was nice that it was a movie that did it while still being entertaining and funny at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. I liked, I liked how Noah had, after he screwed up his phone there, they were, everybody was like, well, see, this is why you need Apple there. <laughs> he's like, I've had an iPhone six for this many years. You think I can afford Apple care? <laughs> and I was like, I feel that I still have a massively old <laughs> iPhone. So, oh yeah, I felt that. I only got, I only upgraded to a ten finally because my I dropped my iPhone six on a subway platform and it shattered. And I was like, <laughs> guess it's time. But I had an iPhone six up until people had iPhone like I didn't even know it was ten S. <laughs> I yeah. was holding on to that shit for oh. dear life. Oh, yeah. Double digits. I'm, I'm, I'm still on the iPhone 7 over here, and I'm hanging on to it for dear life. <laughs> Hell yeah, you hold on to that 50% battery, because that's what I had. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. I think I think it's like a, it's somewhere in the 70. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me see what my battery health is. Oh, oh let's say maximum capacity, 76%. Yeah, baby. Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think if you go uh, to an Apple store, they can replace the battery for you for like they can, they can. I'm just scared that I'm going to go and it will cost money. So I was say we can't be rich like you, Darren, with your dual income household. Okay, some of us <laughs> <laughs> have to do it by ourselves. That's right. Hey, That's maybe right. You, yep. Hey, maybe if you guys pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, like <laughs> I did. You can, you could wow. live the Republican on us. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Drill the baby drill. Drill baby drill. Well, uh, folks, we I hope you've enjoyed the final episode of the SNL Nerds. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we actually uh, will be back uh, next week. And uh, we were planning to do something else for the 4th of July. But with uh, certain things that happen, we decided to pivot and uh, do something else that hits on something else that is in the news right now outside of Pride Month. We're going to cover uh, a movie from uh, 2014 starring uh, SNL that 
Jenny Slate, uh, The Obvious Child. Ah, oh, yes. such a good movie. Oh, I wish I could Ooh. come back for that. I really liked it. Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it before, and I was I was kind of racking my brain. I was like, mm, you know, we should... Is, is there a movie starring an SNL alum that, that hits on abortion in some manner or fashion? And then I, it just popped into my head. Oh, The Obvious Child. Yes, of course. And I haven't seen it yet. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. So, because I, I, I remember it just getting all sorts of critical acclaim. So, yeah, looking yeah, forward I to it. I will say, what? I really liked it a lot. And I, I don't remember when I saw it. It definitely was not in 2014. It was afterwards. Um, but mm-hmm. it... I genuinely that's always such an interesting footnote on SNL because I remember even when she got it and was on it, like I, so she and Gabe Liedman, who uh, is the creator of Q Force and is a character on it, is in addition to other stuff. Um, I remember like seeing their like live show, and then I remember when she got SNL, and I was like, I just I because I think she's funny, I I think she's a great actress, but I always felt like her humor was never a great fit for what SNL was and wanted her to be and uh-huh. obvious child I felt was such a good vehicle for her I mean she works well on that or drunk history she's great on that too yeah. um, and I feel yeah. like because you know SNL is like that where they just get people and they don't really understand how to use them properly like Casey Wilson's another one who are I think Casey Wilson's fucking hilarious mm, and right. I actually like Casey Wilson on SNL but I feel like they just didn't know how to use her properly and Jenny Slate mm-hmm. was another person like that so yeah. yeah it's it's interesting like snl will they i one of the things i like about the show is they do try to bring in people who have different styles of comedy and try to bring that to the show and like this season uh sarah sherman sherman sarah squirm yeah she was able to integrate her humor into snl really well i think bowen yang has been very successful at integrating his humor into snl and then you see other people who that just doesn't happen for for whatever reason. Like Sarah Silverman didn't make a big splash on SNL. Mm-hmm. Lauren Holt. Jenny Slate didn't make a big splash. And yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and it's not that they're not funny people. It's just that for whatever reason, they didn't quite work on the show. Yeah. So uh, yeah, tune in for next week's uh, episode, guys. Talking about Obvious Child with Jenny Slate. And uh, Calvin, Calvin, Calvin. You're hilarious comedian. It's your time to shine. Your time to promote, plug. What do you? Where can the people find you? This is this, the floor is yours, good sir. Oh dear. Okay. So um, <laughs> I know it's about me. Um, <laughs> um, so I have a website, calvincater.com, where I list all of my dates, and um, I will uh, actually be gone for most of August. I'll be in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, so that's going to be super amazing. Ooh. So I'll be there. Oh the wow! Sixteenth. Yeah, I'm oh, super excited. That's awesome. Oh, is that your know- first time going? Yeah, this is my first time. I've never done it before. So I'm like really nice. excited. I've never even been to the UK. So this is like a whole new world for me. So oh, shit. I'll be Congrats, doing man. that. And then before that, I'll be just doing a week of shows in London. So I'll put that all up on my Whoa. website. And yeah. I'm like moving and shaking somehow. <laughs> but yeah. That is up. awesome. And Congratulations yeah, like, for listen. that. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. And, and well, uh, I just... Yeah. Just to clarify for people, it's it's Calvin Cato, Cato with a C. Yes. 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 Okay. Calvin yes. with a C, so, Cato with a C. Yes. yes. And Why is it with com. a Z? Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zaddy Zato. That's what they call me. That's his alias on X Hamster. So we don't need to get into <laughs> Yeah, you rattled those porn, those porn sites off like it was nothing. <laughs> 
I was doing research. Look, for the Darren, movie. we're not all married, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I had that coming. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, where can people find you on uh, Instagram, Twitter, the social meds? Oh, right. So I'm on Twitter at Cato Calvin, C-A-T-O-C-A-L-V-I-N. And I'm on Instagram at Calvin S. Cato, C-A-L-V-I-N-S-C-A-T-O. And I'm on Facebook because I'm over 35. And um, <laughs> it's true. I'm also on LinkedIn, like I said earlier. So uh, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Incredible. That's D-A-R-I Incredible. And uh, follow the SNL Nerds uh, podcast uh, Twitter handle at SNL Nerds Pod. SNL yes. Nerds Show. And Sorry, SNL Pods with something else. <laughs> you know, that's okay. We've, we've only been doing the show for four years. Uh, <laughs> it's so hot in here. <laughs> it's so hot. Darren is going to pass out from heat stroke any moment, folks. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and then the word comic. But as I said earlier in the show, I'm, I don't do anything on Instagram. I'll, I'll, I'll comment once in a while. Darren, like, tags me in the, the show on Instagram every week, and I'm like, I have no idea how to share this still. So. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to drag him into the 21st century, people. I don't want to go. I am quite happy in the late 20th. <laughs> okay. uh, I have the internet. That is all I need, sir. <laughs> A man out of time. <laughs> it's going to be like the miracle worker. You're just going to have to put it in his hand. And be like, Google, exactly. Google. <laughs> water, water. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, so yeah, we'll be back uh, next week with uh, the obvious child. But until then, nerds, nerds out. out! Yeah. That has a double meaning this week. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a non productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Nonproductive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non productive.com.